T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hour number three on National Cheeseburger Day here on Home and Home. Home and Home Radio.com, Sports Original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Briggs TV, if you can tolerate a little politics or if you're an all sports and delicious press box food, follow Ross Tucker NFL. Follow us, RDC home and home lot to get into this hour Ross we're going to go to Pittsburgh and New York to check in on the Steelers situation and the Jets apparently there is a sighting of Sam Darnold at Jets facility but let's uh talk about what's happening in Jacksonville and spreading across the country it's Minshew mania Gardner Minshew now the quarterback of the Jags we have on his high school coach Brad Peterson who coached Minshew at Brandon High School in Brandon, Mississippi. It's great to have you on, sir. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. The question being, did Minshew Mania start in high school, or what kind of guy was he? Before we get into the ability, what kind of dude was he? Oh, he was a great guy. I mean, like, top-notch, ultimate winner, no matter what we did. Uh, I mean, he he was always competing um, every Thursday after practice. Uh, he would gather the guys around with a ping pong ball or something. They would they would try to do some kind of crazy shot, and they would they would do it until they uh, until they made the shot. I mean, they may have to bounce it off the wall four or five times into a cup, uh, and he usually was one that made it. Like I said, just just a a great leader, a, a great guy, a lot of fun to be around. Brad, are you surprised that you know there's national? radio shows, national digital shows like ours calling you to talk to you about this guy. Are you surprised that he's become kind of this this cult figure that everybody is excited about, everybody enjoys talking about? Well, you know, first of all, it's awesome that that's the case. Uh, you know, not really surprised at all, uh, like I said, with his personality. Uh, you know, a lot of people have dreams of playing in the NFL. A lot of people have goals of playing in the NFL, but uh, he had a passion. I mean, he, he, his passion was to play. And I mean, he, he took it to a different level uh, with the way he prepared, with the way he went about his business. And uh, like I said, he had a plan. And, uh, you know, his, his plan was always to play at the next level and then the next level. And uh, he had a crazy route getting there. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised at all. We just showed a picture of him at high school, at Brandon High School, and you look at him, and he looks like this ordinary, average, clean-cut kid. We've got another image of him with all the ladies surrounded by the ladies, which is not a huge surprise. But then you see him now, and he's got this iconic look, Coach. He's got this killer stash. He's got the long hair, sunglasses, headband, and the iconic look coming off of an airplane in this red suit, open collar shirt, chest hair everywhere. He is a wild man. Did you see any of that then? You know, I, what we saw was, like I said, the ultimate leader and, and a guy that would do whatever it took to uh, 
get his guys to follow him. And uh, I think that's what he's doing today. Uh, you know, he, he's finding a way to um, – whoop, my phone dropped. He's finding a way to, uh, you know, get the guys to follow him and be a leader. Uh, and, and like I said, that's what – he's always been that leader, and, and he still is today. Curious, Coach, can you go through his high school career and especially the recruiting part of me? He's obviously talented. He's very accurate. He ends up at Troy and then Northwest Mississippi Community College. How heavily recruited was he given whatever success he had in high school? You know, he had an unbelievable high school career. Uh, as a ninth grader, he was he was playing ninth grade football, but he was also on the, on the high school team. And the rule here in Mississippi is once you play in a varsity game, you can't play ninth grade. So, you know, we were at a 6A school. And uh, so he was our backup quarterback, but he couldn't play in a game uh, because we, we were trying to finish out his ninth grade season. And then uh, our starting quarterback, Trey Polk, broke his arm in about the sixth game of the year. And uh, I looked at Gardner. And I said, are you ready? He said, I'm ready. And uh, so he came in as a ninth grader. And, and, and from that point on, he was – uh, he was unbelievable. Uh, you know, had a great high school career. Uh, he, he's a kid. You never had to tell something twice to him. If he made a mistake, you you just tell him, hey, let's, this is what you need to do or not do. And he never did that again. Like I said, he just worked so hard at it. Uh, was he recruited? Yeah. Everybody was coming to watch him. Everybody saw the production. Everybody saw it. Um, you know, but at the same time, what everybody saw was a, was a, a young man that was Six foot, six one. He was um, not the fastest kid, not the tallest kid. Had a had really good arm strength, but not great arm strength. So uh, everybody overlooked him, um, you know. And, and 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 you try to tell everybody he's the ultimate winner. Uh, he's a leader. He's he's gonna find a way to get on the field. Uh, but now that I'm at this level, I'm, I'm at Mississippi State now uh, in recruiting, and you start. You talk to five coaches that have quarterbacks, and they all say the same thing. And so I can understand now why coaches were looking at him and saying, well, he's only six foot, this guy's six four. Or he only runs a four eight or four nine, this guy runs a four six. So he just got overlooked. And, uh, you know, I think it, it helped put a chip on his shoulder. He already had a chip on his shoulder. Uh, like I said, he goes to Troy. He's going to be the number two there. Right off the bat, he transfers to Northwest. They win a national championship. Um, same thing, did not get recruited hard out of Northwest and goes to East Carolina and, like I said, then finds his uh, finds his niche out in Washington. Yeah, that's what the, the story really got interesting there because you think it might have ended after Troy, Northwest Mississippi Community College, East Carolina. The story easily could have ended. And then he ends up at Washington State, and that's where he makes history. 4,700 yards, 38 touchdowns, Wazoo single records. And it really peaked with his first appearance in the NFL, 22 of 25, 275 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, did you watch that performance? Were you surprised by it? And have you kept in touch with him over the years? You know, didn't get to watch the game because we were, we were working uh, – you know, we work on Sundays, getting ready for our next opponent here. Uh, but I was keeping up with it and, and talking to a few other coaches about it. Uh, I texted him after the game, and uh, I know he had a had a, uh, a great time. Now, let me say this. He had a great time, but, but Gardner's the ultimate winner, too, and the ultimate teammate. Uh, and by his team not winning, he still 
uh, I know how he is. You know, he, he enjoyed the individual success, but he, he, he'd rather have team success. Brad, I got to ask you, man, I'm done with Gardner Minshew. As, as much as we love Minshew mania, I got to ask you about your true freshman quarterback, Garrett Schrader, who flew through the air against Kansas State on Saturday. I don't know, you know, how many people, hopefully most people that are, are watching and listening saw it. I should have told our guys to pull the video. Brad, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, he was seven feet high in the air and did a full, like, 720. Is, is Garrett okay? Yeah, Garrett, Garrett's good. Uh like I said, that was uh, that was uh, he was trying to make a play, you know. He he sold out and did whatever he could, and uh, he came up a little bit short on it. But now it was, it was uh, uh, you know, you, you see all the steel frames of him, and you see everybody's picture on the sidelines, just with their eyes big and their mouths open, uh, checking it out. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that's one that'll be shown for a long time. I guarantee it. He's he's a really tough kid. Oh, my gosh, Brad, I, I've looked at it from five different angles. It almost feels like it's anatomically impossible to be higher than the guys that are actually hitting him. I mean, it was unbelievable. Last question, then we'll get you out of here. You are the director of high school relations for Mississippi State. This is an SEC school. For people listening to our show, what the heck does that mean? Like, what what do you really do all day? What does the director of high school relations for a big-time SEC program do all day? Well, usually I just talk to podcasts all day long. So <laughs> Very you good. Know, you know, I was a high school coach for 20 years and uh, uh, got hired four years ago, and, and I think my title has changed three or four times, and uh, I keep doing the same things over and over. Uh, you know, some recruiting, talking to talking to, uh, to kids that we're able to talk to and finding out information, talking to high school coaches, um, nonstop, just trying to find out what kids are out there, just trying to keep a pulse on, on, on the, uh, not just the state of Mississippi, but the area, our footprint area, um, you know, Checking on grades of incoming guys, guys that we've got committed, making sure they're taking the classes they need to be taking and uh, helping high school counselors understand uh, sometimes what they have to have to get in. Uh, because so many times, um, you know, to come in and play under NCAA rules is completely different than just coming to school uh, at Mississippi State or wherever. And sometimes you have to advise or talk to those counselors and help them explain explain all that and understand it. Uh, my biggest role on Saturdays uh, is when a player gets ejected, I'm the one that gets to run him into the dressing room. And uh, uh, so I, I don't like having to do that, but uh, every now and then you have to, when Jonathan Abrams was here, I had to do that a couple of times. So. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Minshew mania takes the field tomorrow night, Jags and Titans on Thursday night, but it all started at Brandon high school in Mississippi, and Coach Brad Peterson. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Tucker. So Gardner Minshew, one of many backups to start uh, this weekend in week three. By the way, Dave, before, and, Dave, I, Dave, before yep. you move on, I got to ask you this. I'm sorry. I know you're going to make a point here. Did you see the video I was talking about with Coach? It's the best video I've seen this football season at any level. Unbelievable. 
And yeah. I, so tomorrow, you know, what we need to do. We need to get that video. And tomorrow, when Dave and I are talking, if one of us isn't really making that good of a point, let's just show that video. <laughs> I mean, how, would we get more listeners and more viewers if we just had that video on loop? The whole, like, rather than me in my background or you in your background, we could still talk to each other. But the video would just be different angles of Mississippi State true freshman quarterback Garrett Schrader flying through the air. Dave, I'm telling you, I saw the Elway play. I saw my buddy Sage Rosenfels do the Rosencopter when he was with the Texans. Those don't do it justice. And if you're watching, listening right now, and you don't know what we're talking about, May God have mercy on your soul if you don't go check out the video right now. Just Google Mississippi State quarterback helicopter video or whatever. It is bananas. Like, if that was in a movie, Dave, I would be like, yeah, right. It was, it was like they couldn't, you couldn't make that up if you tried. Yeah, looking at it on YouTube, there are several different versions of it. I mean, at least a dozen. Uh, the leader in the clubhouse has a couple million views. It is incredible. I still go with the Elway helicopter because it was in the Super Bowl, because it was a touchdown, and because, of course, I am a diehard Denver Bronco fan, born and raised in Denver. But you're right. This season, the greatest video, I don't think anything will top it. I mentioned Minshew getting the start Thursday night against Tennessee, and where I'm going with this is – all the quarterback carnage we've talked about. And I could go through the list. Andrew Luck, Nick Foles, Sam Darnold, Drew Brees, Big Ben, Eli Manning, Cam Newton, Trevor Simeon. Just to mention a few begs the question that always comes up this time of year. When you have quarterbacks coming down, what about Colin Kaepernick? And of course, his people are reaching out to teams. Uh, Chad Williamson of SNI says Colin is literally in the best shape of his life. This is from his reps. Been working out five days a week at 5 a.m. for three years. Stephen A. Smith says three teams have reached out, or he's reached out to those three teams, Steelers, Jets, and Saints. And Mark Garagos, his attorney, says absolutely he is actively interested in trying to play in the NFL. He's 31 years old. He comes with a massive distraction at what point, because I'm going to go ahead and say no one's going to give him a spot. At what point does that door just close, shut, no mas? It already is closed, shut, no mas. The question is, at what point do we stop talking about it? At what point does talking about it shut, close, no mas? Evidently not yet. I mean, the guy's been out for three years, Dave. Are we going to be doing this show in 2027 being like, hey, what about Kaepernick? What about Kaepernick? I mean, at what point do you say, the guy hasn't played in three years? I mean, I don't know. I don't like to eat stuff that's way past its expiration date. I don't like to drink spoiled milk or stale milk. I mean, it's been a while. Do I think he's better than some of the backups in the league? Yeah, I think he probably is. Is he going to get signed? No. Because no one believes he's good enough to be worth the headache or distraction that comes with it from a media standpoint, from a fan base standpoint. Everything in life is an economic equation. Everything is pros versus cons. 
And for NFL teams, the cons of signing Colin Kaepernick outweigh the pros, pure and simple. Nancy Armour in the USA Today writes, losing a quarterback to injury is a bad break. Ignoring Kaepernick is bad management, and you deserve every loss that's coming your way to those uh, GMs, to those owners that continue to ignore Kaepernick. I agree with you. I think he is talented enough to at least get a shot. Kyle Allen, we just talked about in Carolina, completed 53% of his passes in the preseason. He was cut from the practice squad a year ago. He got benched twice in college. I'm sure he's a terrific young man. But when you go from a quarterback like Cam Newton, it sure as hell would make sense to have a guy of similar ability, of similar mobility at the quarterback position. I would like to see it just so we would stop freaking hearing about it, honestly. But I would also like to see him open up these workouts to someone like yourself to go and actually analyze what he's doing there, not put out some pre-produced YouTube video, give an interview, allow people to come evaluate how you're throwing, how you're moving. Don't give me some cut-together thing with Odell Beckham Jr., but I want him to get a shot. So we can stop talking about it. I would also like Mark Garagos and his reps to say, look, he will find another way to bring attention to social justice causes that he so dearly cares about rather than taking a knee. That wouldn't be so hard. To me, it seems clear they want to keep the story right where it is because it keeps Colin Kaepernick exactly what he wants to be, which is relevant. I don't know when we're going to move on from this story, Ross. To your point, it just seems to never end. It's hard. And so, too, is hiring. As Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered, you see, Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates to find you. It finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience, invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was so impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates so she could focus on the best ones. And that's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. See why ZipRecruiter is so effective for businesses of all sizes Try it. We urge you it is the best. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Right now, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. It is ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter is definitely, my friends, the smartest way to hire. All right, so much quarterback carnage around the league. Have we just waited too long to turn the page from all these guys look like they're at the latter stages of their career. Have franchises failed to focus on the future? Let's talk about that situation in Pittsburgh. Andrew Filipponi from 93.7, the game in Pittsburgh, joining us now. Andrew, it's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. Um, ben Roethlisberger has this surgery, comes back next year, is is your faith, is the Steelers' faith, that he has more left in the tank after season-ending injury and coming back next year? 
Yeah, I think they made a $60 million investment in him this offseason with $30 million injury guaranteed. So they don't think a non-contact elbow injury is going to be the death knell for him in the end of his career. I think one of my conspiracy theories as far as the Minka Fitzpatrick trade is concerned is that it's a sign that they have confidence and belief that Ben Roethlisberger will come back from this injury if they didn't. I think they would have held on to that pick because if they stink this year, maybe there's a chance they go into next year's draft and try to find their quarterback replacement for Big Ben. So you never know once they get into the elbow what they'll find for surgery. We don't know if Ben will have like an Andrew Luck epiphany during all of this and say, you know what, my heart's just not in and I don't want to go through the rehab. Uh, But I think if you're asking about the Steelers organization, I think they have a great amount of confidence that Ben will come back and be um, a franchise quarterback again in 2020 and 2021. So I, I want to even take a step back behind that, Andrew. Before that, when did we have this issue with Roethlisberger? I know Rudolph came out and said you know, it was bothering him the week before. Because it is just kind of weird, right, that all of a sudden it's non-contact. All of a sudden – you know, he's starting to hurt and it's bothering him. You know, yeah. did you think that it affected him at all against the Patriots? And maybe that's why he didn't play as well? No, I'm not giving him that pass against New England, Ross, because I think that's, you know, people doubt that football, even at the highest level, that there's a psychology to it. Uh, I think mentally the Steelers are just fried. Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger get pushed around. I think they're intimidated by the Patriots. I think organizationally, and it starts with them, there's a lot of Patriots paranoia. So I don't give them a pass for that uh, wretched performance against New England. I also think, guys, that uh, there's a little bit of boy cried wolf here with Ben. And I'll be the first to admit it, that when I saw him in Seattle and he was shaking his arm and he was kind of, you know, wiggling around after some of these throws, Uh, We've seen Ben Roethlisberger do that before when he's been rusty or he's been ineffective. And I think it creates the picture that maybe he's being bothered by something, but nothing severe enough where you think, oh, my God, it's season ending. It's it's a major injury. Um, You know, I think Ben has played up some minor injuries in the past. I think his 16 year record here in Pittsburgh would show that. And I just wonder if when he complained a little bit about this uh, after the New England game, if some of the Steelers people just felt like, well, this is Ben being Ben, he's bothered by something, but it's really not that big of a deal. So, Andrew, let's get into then Mason Rudolph, who I thought did some some really positive things against the Seahawks. What do we know about him? What have we seen from him so far? And what do you and the Steelers think we're going to get from him? Uh, We know that the Steelers, Ross, uh, supposedly they came out and said they had a first round grade on the guy when they picked him, which is absolute hogwash, because if you have a first round grade on a quarterback, you don't wait until the third round to pick him. You definitely don't pick his wide receiver, James Washington from Oklahoma State, with your second round pick ahead of Rudolph, if you believe he's a first round franchise quarterback. So that was complete BS for them. That was, page, uh, that was Steelers' propaganda that they gave us after the pick was made. Um, I think he looked really good 
coming in for Ben. He looked better than Ben, actually, in the Seattle game. There were play-action fakes. That's something that we never see out of the Steelers' offense when Ben is at the helm. I think that helped. Um, Big picture, though, guys, and I think I'm guilty of having a real skepticism when it comes to these Big 12 quarterbacks who play in these wide-open offenses. They put up arena football numbers, and then they get picked into the NFL with high uh, draft picks, with big draft capital. Uh, I'm just not sold on Mason Rudolph. My expectations are that he'll look like a backup quarterback, that he'll wow you in some games, and he'll look like complete crap in others. And I don't think we'll end this 2019 season thinking that the Steelers have found their heir apparent and they can cast Ben Roethlisberger aside and bet on Mason Rudolph to be their franchise savior. I think he's just going to be a run-of-the-mill quarterback for this team. That kid Mahomes looks all right. Kyler Murray started off pretty well. Uh, My question is, if what you're saying doesn't happen and Mason goes out, let's just say goes 10-4, and what do they do then? And what about the mentality of your quarterback? I see he just put on Twitter uh, a picture of himself and Rudy. Rudy doesn't seem like the right mentality I'd want for a guy who's taking control of an NFL locker room. He's a big, strong guy. But what if, though? What if he goes 10-4 and four and this team rallies around him? Uh, then I think they've got kind of a good problem, but it's a problem nonetheless, Dave. It's a situation where you, know, you would, I think, uh, trust the team or you would give the keys to the team over to Mason Rudolph. Um, The problem with that, though, is just like with the Antonio Brown contract, where if you trade him, you still take on the dead money, which is a league record in AB's case. He's counting $22 million against the Steelers' salary cap. Uh, The Ben contract is structured the same way. If they were to trade him and say, you know, we don't want to, same thing with the Patriots, Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe. It's uncomfortable to have both guys around if they traded Ben this offseason if everything you said about Mason Rudolph is true if that the best case scenario plays out uh they're going to take a dead money hit of 25 million dollars with Ben Roethlisberger for 2020 and at that point like I think there are some questions about whether Ben Roethlisberger would want to start over with a new organization I'm not sure it would be like Peyton Manning in Denver, if Ben would want to pick up the pieces somewhere else, I think it would depend. I could see Tampa Bay because of his relationship with Bruce Arians as an option. Uh, but I don't think he'd want to go to some bottom feeder and start over with somebody. And I think the Steelers would make a mistake if Rudolph is as good as you just described, Dave. I think if they're loyal to Ben Roethlisberger and they just gave him the job back in 2020, uh, that would be a mistake. Very curious, Andrew, about the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. And I'm going to tie that into Big Ben and Mason Rudolph. Do you feel like this was 100% just about Minka Fitzpatrick and acquiring the player? Or is part of this a vote of confidence for Mason Rudolph in the sense that it won't be that high of a pick? And maybe a statement to the entire organization and fan base that we are not going quietly into the night here with the 2019 season. We still think we can do some good things. 
Yeah, I think it's more the latter, Ross. Um, I also think it's worth mentioning here that um, maybe there's a sense of urgency on Mike Tomlin's part. You know, there are minority owners here. It's been reported by both uh, Pro Football Talk and Ed Bouchette, who's a Hall of Fame Steelers writer, that there are some Steelers minority owners who weren't happy with Mike Tomlin's contract extension this offseason. I think it might be a sign Mike Tomlin feels like this season, even without Ben Roethlisberger, is not a throwaway year where he gets a free pass for what goes on. I think there now is a curiosity here. What kind of coach is Mike Tomlin without Big Ben? We've wondered that for a long time. I think in Green Bay we learned without Aaron Rodgers that Mike McCarthy was just an average coach. And it got him fired, and people were shocked by it. They thought the Packers would show uh, more loyalty to a guy that had won them a Super Bowl. They canned him midseason. Now, I don't think that will happen here if the Steelers go off the rails. Uh, But they're starting to do things, Ross and Dave, that are kind of outside of their comfort zone. They traded up in the draft for Devin Bush. That was not a Steelers-like move. And this is the first time they've traded a first-round pick In more than a half century, you have to go back to 1967. And it just makes me wonder if Mike Tomlin feels the heat, if he feels pressure to win right now. And if he doesn't, is he concerned about his own self-preservation and his own job security? Yeah, you wonder about those situations like with Houston and Bill O'Brien trading away the future to try to win this year, giving away two ones and a two was a head scratcher. Talking to Andrew Filippone from 93.7 The Game in Pittsburgh. Curious, Andrew, do you take calls on people that are ready to move on from Mike Tomlin? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, And I think Tomlin's brought it on himself. Look, I mean, the last two years, they haven't won a playoff game. And to me, that's inexcusable when you look at the collection of offensive talent they've had, arguably the best offensive line in the NFL, a top-five quarterback, one of the best running backs in the league in 2017, uh, Antonio Brown, the most productive wide receiver in the league, uh, to not win a playoff game. Plus, you've had the last now seven years, they've used a first-round draft pick on a defensive player. Uh, It's an embarrassment of riches. It was, to me, an embarrassment that the Ravens, two-thirds of the way through the season, made a quarterback change completely altered, gave their offense a total facelift and makeover, ran down the Steelers and won the division. Um, That, to me, was, I think, uh, a clear-cut example of John Harbaugh being a better coach than Mike Tomlin. So I think that this team is underachieved. Uh, Whenever a coach underachieves and has been on the job for a dozen years, Um, I I don't think it would be a question of not giving Mike Tomlin enough time. He's had 12 years, and I get it. He's never produced a losing season. Um, But I don't think, what have you done for me lately? I don't think the Steelers have gotten enough out of their assembly of talent. They should be better than a team that's produced a grand total of zero playoff wins the last two years. I would agree with that, Andrew, and I am continually flummoxed by their defensive scheme. And, you know, for so long it was, well, we don't have Shazier, we don't have Shazier. 
Now they got Devin Bush. They still like it is automatic to be able to have a slot receiver have a big game against them. The amount of guys that run free, mental errors. I mean, I you know, I got to think at a minimum, Andrew, if Tomlin isn't gone after this year, you got to think Keith Butler is, right? Yeah, I think he might be the scapegoat, Ross. I could see that. I think that uh, the Steelers have mixed messaging on defense. Mike Tomlin is obviously a coach who cut his teeth on the defensive side of the ball, and yet he takes very little uh, responsibility in terms of taking ownership of the play calling, the scheme, the game plan uh, for game day. And there's all kinds of ambiguity and mystery here. I've been told that Keith Butler calls the defensive plays unless it's deemed a big play, a critical part in the game, and then Mike Tomlin takes it over. And that would explain to me why there are so many times where it looks like half the Steelers' defense is doing one thing and the other half is doing another. What I wanted them to do this offseason, guys, is the same thing we've seen from the Atlanta Falcons, which is Dan Quinn, who's a defensive coordinator, who said, you know what? We were bad at this last year. It's my defense. I'm calling the plays. We are going to sink or swim with me in charge of the defense. And we'll see what happens there. That's what should have happened in Pittsburgh. They should have reassigned Keith Butler. Part of his job responsibility now is outside linebackers coach. All right, just make him the outside linebackers coach. And make Mike Tomlin the defensive coordinator who calls the plays on game day. Because now... We've got a situation where fans, it's unclear to people who's really in charge of the defense. And I don't even think the players always know. And that's obviously a big problem. Last question for me. And it's how in the hell is Dante Moncrief still in the NFL? (laughs) And should Moncriefing be a verb? Uh, If the verbs Merriam-Webster definition is to Murphy's law every play and do the absolute worst possible thing every time the football is thrown in your direction. Sure. Um, it's, it's four million, it's four and a half million dollars uh, that the Steelers could have given to charity or at the very least had a huge bonfire on a Saturday night before a Steelers game and just set on fire. Um, the only encouraging thing here with this guys is that Tomlin did not give Moncrief a vote of confidence on Tuesday and there's some reason to think that he's on his way out. We've also seen Mason Rudolph, and this makes sense because they played with each other in college. We've seen him establish a chemistry with James Washington in preseason games, and I'm hoping that those two guys can make music together again on Sunday. I mean, make Dante Moncrief your gunner on special teams. If you're not going to cut him, make him do the dirty work for this team. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he's – I can't think we go back and forth here, guys, who is a worse wide receiver, Dante Moncrief or Ryan Switzer. And it's really a tough one. It's one that has me in a conundrum here because two of the guys they're depending on to replace Antonio Brown have been God awful through two games. All these guys demanding trades. He's the guy you want to piss off so he can ask out of Pittsburgh and do them a favor. Andrew Filipponi, solid take. Follow him at the Pony Express. That's P-O-N-I Express, the Pony Express on Twitter. Good to have you, my friend. You bet, guys. Have a good one.
All right, still coming up here on Home and Home, folks. We got to talk about the New York Jets. They are now on to a one, two, three, third quarterback situation. What a mess they have on their hands, but a glimmer of hope as there is report of Sam Darnold at the Jets facility. What's the latest with the kissing disease? We will talk to Brian Costello from the New York Post after a real quick break. All right, let us wrap up a Wednesday edition in the most fashionable way. I have no idea why I said that. I just want to talk to Brian my Costello. Shirt. That made my no shirt. sense. No, it, it was Dave, maybe it was Dave's terrible shirt. I have no idea. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk to Brian Costello. We call him Kaz, at Brian Kaz on Twitter from the New York Post. And I had a really crappy segue to try to bring Kaz on. The last two days, Dave's been handling the traffic of the show in terms of going to break, coming back from break, introing the guests. So I've been out of the loop. And it was, you know, I thought, all right, I'll introduce Kaz. And I had nothing there. Fashionable. What the hell am I talking about? That makes no sense. No offense, Kaz. You're not fashionable. Neither am I. It really made no sense for me to say that at all. I had nothing, and my dummy brain came up with that. That's the first time that word's ever been used in conjunction with me. So thank you, Ross. I appreciate it. Well, we've got an awesome (laughs) picture of you where you are rocking a a, uh, button-down. Looks like it's like a plaid button-down, and you got a hell of an undershirt going, guys. I'm talking about... (laughs) Like a, a, a full pizza slice worth of of undershirt <laughs> is showing. Uh, that's that I, I think I know that's probably like fifteen years ago that photo, I think. The day I, I think I got that was the day I got hired at the post. So cause is that kind of fashion and is that how you got mono when you were in college? And is that how <laughs> Sam Darnold got mono last week? Yeah, I never had to worry about mono, uh, unfortunately, when I was uh, in high school or college. But yeah, no, the the mystery, the mystery hasn't been solved yet. How Sam got mono? I, it was a great um, picture. I don't know if you guys saw from the game Monday night of a woman holding up a sign that I gave Sam mono in the stands. I thought that was tremendous. But Sam uh, denied knowing her, so we'll have to wait okay. and see. There are reports, at least on Twitter, cause of a Sam Darnold sighting, which would be very odd if he had mono. It couldn't be gone yet. Can you confirm that? Yeah, he's in the building. You know, they've cleared him to be in the huh. building. He showed, he was here yesterday, and uh, I think the plan is to have him around this week in meetings and stuff and try to help along with the game plan. So I don't know. I'm not a doctor, uh, surprisingly, but – I guess, you know, maybe if the symptoms are, are clear, they, they let him back in the building because he said uh, he did a radio interview yesterday here in New York. And he said that, you know, he was really sick last week for a few days. He had strep throat on top of the mono. And but but now he feels a lot better. So uh, I guess the doctors cleared him to, to show off this week. Cause is their season over already? I mean, are, are we is, is it fair to say the jet season is over? I don't think it's over. You know, I think the hopes of, you know, there were some people who thought this team could win 10 games, maybe. I think that's over. I don't think that's happening. But, you know, to me, this is a, this is a team that won four games last year. So 
realistically, I thought eight wins was a, was going to be a very good season for them. And I, they can still get there. They have a brutal stretch right now. And, you know, everyone's kind of focused on that. But when you look beyond that, they have two games with the Dolphins uh, in late, you know, mid to late in the season. They've got a game with the Giants. They've got a game with the Redskins. They got the Bengals. They have the Raiders. Like the, the schedule eases up a lot after this stretch that everyone's kind of focused on right now. So I, I wouldn't say it's over. I think kind of the dreams of like, you know, can this team be a playoff team? I, I, that's that's not happening. But this this year to me was really about just kind of taking a step toward becoming a playoff team next year and the year after that. Yeah, New England, Philly, Dallas, New England. That is murderer's row. Uh, yeah, what is the, that's right. the sentiment you're getting there in the locker room? And what's the deal with uh, with Adams there? We hear, you know, he gets benched late in the game. This is one of the game's better safeties, one of the better players on that defense. And the Instagram, that he unfollow them, that he take the Jets out of his bio? Is he entirely happy? Yeah, I, I think he's okay. Jamal's a very emotional guy. Very he. We've seen this before after games where he can get very upset. The guy wants to win, and that's kind of why the people love him in this building. That's why fans love him. You see it in the way he plays. You see it in the way he practices. He, he goes after it. So I think, you know, he's lost a lot in three years here, right? Like, he's won nine games in three years with the Jets. And he, he came from LSU, which, you know, they win a lot of games. He was obviously successful you know, in high school and things like that. So I think he was just frustrated. At the end of the game, he went off sides twice in a row, two plays in a row, and they yanked him. Uh, you know, Adam Gase said he didn't really call it a benching, but I think they were trying to protect Jamal from himself. Jamal was kind of trying to do too much, down by 20 points in the fourth quarter, and, and they were like, let's let's just make sure he doesn't do anything stupid. Uh, so he sat for five plays at the end of the game. You know, he may have been upset about that, I think he's more just upset with the, the overall losing. And, you know, players aren't stupid. You know, they're going to say next man up to us 100 times in the next couple of days. They know they got Luke Falk at quarterback right now. They they're missed, They don't have their number two wide receiver, Quincy Noon, was done for the year. The guy they got to replace him, Demarius Thomas, is now hurt. Uh, you know, I don't know if C.J. Mosley is going to be able to come back this week. I don't know if Quinton Williams is going to be able to come back this week. Jordan Jenkins, their outside linebacker, is hurt. Players are smart. <laughs> you know, they know – that what they're staring at Sunday going into the Foxborough, it would have been tough if the Jets were at a hundred percent, never mind all these injuries. Yeah, it's uh it's kind of crazy. I love Jamal Adams, by the way. What's the deal with <laughs> Trumaine Johnson, cuz? <laughs> yeah, he's not Jamal. He's not Jamal Adams. <laughs> he, he's just a guy who I, I don't think yeah, he didn't play well in week one against the Bills. I mean, he was scared to death going up against John Brown. Uh, you know, if you watch the film of that game, he's standing about 15 yards off the line of scrimmage most of the time trying to cover John Brown. So I, I think that these, you know, the, the, the cool thing right now, and I, I, I say it's cool. It's not cool for some players, I guess, but Adam Gase and Joe Douglas barely have an allegiance to any players on this team, right? Like Joe Douglas, he signed Ryan Khalil. That's about the only guy I feel like maybe he's on scholarship right now. The rest of them have to earn their keep. And I think, you know, Tremaine Johnson was signed by the last regime to a ridiculous $72 million contract that, you know, has already looked like a terrible contract. So I think they said, you know, let's screw it. Let's 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 try this other guy, Nate Hairston, who they traded for from the Colts. Let's see if he's any better. And he got there. I think it's a combination of Johnson's play and his attitude. His attitude has sucked since he's been here. You know, Bowles, Bowles at the end of last year, 
made him inactive in his last game, you know, and I thought that was just kind of a Todd was saying, all right, you know, you guys made me take this guy. I'm, I'm not even going to play him in the last game. And, and now we're seeing a carry over this year. The problem is they're still paying him a lot of money. <laughs> so, so that that's kind of problematic. Speaking of money, cause I need some 22 and a half <laughs> yeah. point spread one of the largest in the history of our game uh you said it luke falk against bill belichick patriots cover i think they do i mean they're just rolling too it's you just look at what they've done you know 76 to 3 in the first two games uh i you know i think that they could get a couple defensive touchdowns in this game the jets defense didn't play poorly uh, monday night i thought they did some good things against the browns but it's one thing to do play pretty well against Baker Mayfield and the Browns. It's another when number 12 is back there and, you know, it looks like Antonio Brown, nothing's happened with the league yet. So I expect him to play. He'll be better another week there. Josh Gordon will be better with another week there. So this, uh, and, and Belichick, he will not call off the dogs here. You know, he, he, he enjoys beating the Jets. So I, I think this could get ugly. Cause I got to ask you about the offensive line. I was on the sideline yeah. Monday night. I saw you. What is going on? I, I mean, I, I am yeah. stunned. There's a lot of veterans up there. I'm just stunned how many mental errors I see, how many guys coming free. You know, Gase has this reputation as an offensive guy. They look extremely unorganized and discombobulated. Really, the entire offense does. Even forgetting who the quarterback is or missing passes, just the other guys. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the communication looks terrible up there, and they, they didn't play together at all in the preseason because, you know, Ryan Khalil signed about a week into training camp, and they didn't play him in any preseason games. He really only started practicing the third week of training camp. Uh, Winters had an injury during training camp, so he didn't play a whole, whole lot, and uh, Coletio Assembly had an injury in training camp. So I think you're seeing, you know, a combination of – there's not a – there's not a ton of talent there, Ross. You're right. There's, there's veterans. I don't know if Osemi, how much Osemi has left. I don't know how much Khalil has left. You know, Winter, Shell, and Beecham, I think they're serviceable guys. I've never thought they were that great. So I think it's just a combination of everything coming down right now. And, you know, in terms of Gase being an offensive guy, he is, he's a quarterback guy. I don't know if he's an offensive line guy, though. You know what I mean? Like, when the Jets were, were, were really good under Rex Ryan, they had – they had a secret weapon here uh, with Callahan as their offensive line coach. And he did a great job of coordinating that run game. And he basically took that off of Brian Schottenheimer's plate. Bill Callahan handled the offensive line and it was like a great working relationship. I'm not sure they had that guy in the building that, that kind of can coach the offensive line like that. Um, so, you know, their only hope is that it gets better as, as time goes on and they work more together, but it's a huge problem right now. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, Every yard he gains, he's gaining on his own almost. There are no holes. I mean, you watch the tape from Monday night, it's incredible some of the plays where he's just dead and he makes something happen. I thought he played great on Monday night, even though the stats weren't like incredible. It was just amazing because he was just getting he was just getting hit on every play. Well, the Jets will have to do something to get on the back page because Eli and Danny <laughs> Dimes and everybody else is going to dominate that pay back page for a while. Brian Costello, yeah. follow him at Brian Cause. That is Brian C-O-Z on Twitter. Good to have you on the show, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys.
I want to quickly pass along some very interesting news, one from football, one from basketball. First with the hoops. I had complained for weeks now about the subpar and just downright awful performance by Team USA at the FIBA World Cup. Ross Tucker doesn't give a damn, but here's why I do. My concern is that Team USA will fail to win a gold medal and that prime players won't sign up for the 2020 Olympics because of this awful performance under the greatest coach in the NPA, Greg Popovich. Some good news passed along from Dylan Burns uh, on our staff here that Steph Curry and Damian Lillard are on board for 2020 and all it takes is one. I love Lillard. He's a fantastic elite top 10 player, but all it takes is one Steph Curry. If Steph Curry commits to this team, Everybody will follow, and I will feel much better than that despicable seventh-place performance on the world stage. Next, though, much more in Ross Tucker's alley. Ross, the Philadelphia Eagles have canceled practice because they are so banged up. Have you ever heard of this? And what comes to mind is former Eagle John Ritchie just calling out today's players for being far too soft. Your thoughts? Well, so first of all, I am happy about Steph Curry. That is good news. I hope that they have a much better team that they send to the Olympics and that we win. So I do like that. I don't care about the FIBA World Championships. I do care about the Olympics, and I want our dudes to play because I want to win. I like exerting our world dominance. So I like that. I wish there was football in the Olympics. That would really be fun yes. uh, for us, for us, not for them. <laughs> no. um, uh, as for the Eagles, you know, Doug Peterson did this at the end of last year a couple times. He basically just wants to be able to get the game plan in with all of the guys. And so if they had a full practice, a lot of guys wouldn't be able to go if they have a walkthrough those guys can all still be part of it on that part of it. I don't think he really sees the need to be running around, you know, to, to really exert themselves physically when today is more a mental day and what they're going to put in anyway before tomorrow and Friday. What's interesting is that Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson not expected to play. So on some level, I guess I would imagine – Carson Wentz would want to get as many reps with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside as well as a guy like Matt Collins as possible because those guys might be two of the three receivers in the three-receiver set. So it is interesting. You know, for all I know, they have a walkthrough and then Carson Wentz throws those guys for an hour, right? So we don't really know. But that's kind of what jumped out to me there. They need Chip Kelly back. It's clear. They just need Chip Kelly back. That's how you keep a team healthy. You might lose everything, but you'll be healthy. Uh, before we go, Ross Tucker, today is an important day. It is a very important day. We lead with our stomach here on Home and Home. It is National Cheeseburger Day. Blank slate. You can go anywhere. National chain. Got to be national. Where are you going for a burger? Guess what? I'm probably going where I'm going today. I'm going to Five Guys. I love me some Five Ooh. Guys. Five Guys is delicious, and it happens to be right next to my daughter Tess's dance studio. 
And she has back-to-back dance today. 4.30 is ballet. I have to be there at 5.30 because we switch from the ballet shoes to the hip-hop shoes. And there's a bunch of laces to tie on the hip-hop shoes. She's not quite ready for that yet. So I need to be there for the 5.30 transition from ballet to hip-hop. But right after that transition, I am going to Five Guys. I am getting, I think they call it a double, with bacon. So good. The fries, the milkshake. Ah! I haven't eaten. I'm doing intermittent fasting. I haven't eaten yet today. And now I'm going to have something healthy like a salmon with green beans or a salad. But I can at least think about the moment when the burger will touch my lips. Your day is going to be torture now, but so is mine. Because Five Guys is about two minutes from my house. And I hate to keep agreeing with you on stuff, but I don't even think it's close. in and out is dog food. Shake Shack is solid. But Five Guys rules. Not just the burgers, but the fries. They take that extra cup and they just throw it down in the bag so you have enough fries for everybody. That place rules. And then the fries. peanuts. The, the funny thing is, The first time we went there, my wife and I thought we both needed to order fries. That was a bad idea. We had fries for 22 years after that. Our entire marriage, we've had fries since that first day at Five Guys. All right. Well, happy National Cheeseburger Day to everyone. Been a busy hump day here on Home and Home. Have a good one. Thanks for being with us. Tell your friends to download radio.com. It's free app. You know that. We'll see you tomorrow. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.